0: Welcome to the Grace Church's podcast. The message you are about to hear was recorded live during our Sunday service. Follow along with the message by downloading our app, available for both Apple and Android phones. And now, for our message. In the, in the world of the church, the, the resurrection Sunday morning is kind of like the Super Bowl. Have you ever heard that before? While you're quiet. All right, we're going to start all over, okay? Turn to the person next to you and say, did you know that Resurrection uh, Sunday morning is like the Super Bowl? Go ahead, turn to the person next to you. Because we are not going to have all this quiet. We're going to make a little noise. We're going to talk, okay? So... All right, so it's like the Super Bowl, but remember like maybe five, six, seven years ago, up until five or six, seven years ago, there was was a game in the NFL that took place the week after the Super Bowl, and what game was that? The Pro Bowl. The Pro Bowl, thank you. Who said that? So forcefully, I loved it. The Pro Bowl was played the week after. Now, it's no longer played that way, but for many years, it was, played, it was played the week after the Super Bowl. Now, I have a question for you. How many of you ran home on that Sunday, the week after the Super Bowl, because you could not wait to watch the Pro Bowl? No, absolutely not. First service, I had somebody go, ah, a little bit. No, it's just not, not a big deal. Nobody, it's kind of very anticlimactic. Not to make that connection with what happens in church the week after Easter, but churches all over the United States, all over the world, had people in them last week that are not necessarily in them this week because it's Pro Bowl week. But everybody belongs in a church someplace. They don't all belong in this church. They don't all belong in any other specific single church, but they all belong in a church. And so can we take a moment... And can we pray for the people that visited Grace last week, that maybe it was the very first time they'd ever been in a church or maybe the first time they'd been at our church, but also for the other churches in our community. Can we pray for all of those dear people that they would find the place that is home for them and that they would put down roots and grow in that place? Can we pray for them? Let's do that right now. Lord, thank you for all of those dear folks that that your spirit... Drew to church, whether they had other motives or not, Lord, you got them there. And in so many cases, they heard the good news. They heard the gospel. They heard about Jesus's death and resurrection. And Lord, we pray for them right now that wherever you would lead them, Lord, that they would be obedient and be drawn back to that church home, Lord, whether it's grace or some other place, that doesn't matter so long as that body of believers holds fast to your word, Lord. We pray for them. We ask that you would bless them. We ask that you would give them roots so that they can grow. In Jesus' name. If you agree with that, we say amen. 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 We're going to be in the book of Romans this morning. If you want to turn to Romans chapter 6. Romans chapter 6. Romans 6. This is a special day at Grace because we're going to be baptizing in water here at the end of this service. We're really grateful that you're going to be able to be a part of that by your attendance this morning. But water baptism, as you might have suspected, is also a paradox. What's a paradox? Paradox definition. Here it is on the screen. A paradox is a seemingly absurd or self-contradictory statement or concept that when investigated or explained may prove to be well-founded or true. Water baptism is a paradox in this way. If you are a Christ follower, before you met the Lord, before you, you experienced salvation, you thought that you were alive. Like, you might not have had a really great life, but you would, have, you would have argued, I actually am living. Amen? You were living before you met Jesus. But as the Spirit of God began to work in you, as the Holy Spirit began to convict you and teach you and encourage you and draw you to the Father, you began to realize that you were actually dead, spiritually Your physical heart was beating, of course, but with each beat, you were inching closer to a time when your physical life would match your spiritual life, that is, being dead and dead forever. But when we respond to the Lord by the the leading of the Holy Spirit, when we recognize our actual spiritual state and in that place of clarity, seeking mercy from God, saying, God, forgive me, be merciful to me, a sinner, like like we read about in Luke here a few weeks ago. By faith, we accept that grace. When we did that, a spiritual transformation took place. And it says in the book of John, Jesus described that spiritual transformation as being born again. Would you turn to the person next to you and just say those two words, born born again. You moved from living in a lie, I'm alive, to living in the truth, I'm alive in Christ. That you became a new person, the new birth. It's what we were celebrating this morning in, in communion. Here's the paradox, though, with water baptism. Before salvation, I was alive physically but spiritually dead. After I came to Christ, in him, I am alive spiritually and my old self is dead. Dead. I used to think I was alive but I was actually dead. Now that I now I know I'm alive and that old part of me is killed off. Now, I know this is what I'm going to say next may strike you as absolutely astounding, but did you know that in the first century Christians, people that were following Jesus got a little bit off track? Isn't that hard to believe? You guys are far too quiet. Turn to the person next to you and say, Christians in the old days lost their minds. <laughs> they did. They went, they went out. I mean, we're going to look at it this morning, but believe it or not, there were, there were Christians in the first part, in the first hundred years, the first century, as this, the, the, the New Testament part of your Bible is being written. There are Christians that are outside of their minds because so they're doing stuff that is way, way crazy. They're doing things that makes no sense at all. This is one of the things that they started to believe. They started to believe that since grace, that is the forgiveness of God, since grace was so big and it covered all sin, why not just sin? Because every time we sin, God gives more grace. They actually started thinking, every time we sin, we're adding more grace. So let's sin to have more grace released into our lives, released into our circumstances. They were were convinced that that was an okay thing to do. Now, I have something shocking to tell you. The truth of the matter is, they were right. Their motive wasn't right. But the the, uh, the end end result or the fruit of their decision was absolutely right. Because here's the thing, like I said earlier, we cannot out-sin grace. No matter, I mean, you could, don't do this. Like they say on TV, don't try this at home. But you could try to out-sin grace and couldn't do it because grace will always overcome sin. Where sin abounds, some of you know that one, grace abounds all the more. Romans chapter five, where we were just reading a communion, no matter how much sin comes, there's always gonna be more grace, always gonna be more grace. And, we, and this is a good thing, right? We would never want to think that we were in a relationship with God where he was keeping score, Kind of like the forgiveness thing we talked about several months ago. It's like, you know, I don't want to feel like, have I crossed over that that line someplace where now there's no forgiveness anymore? Now there's no more uh, any any grace for me because I've used it all. We don't want to live in that. Amen? Turn to the person next to you. I do not want to live in that. Okay, here's the deal. I'm going to make you keep talking to each other unless you talk to me. So we don't want to live in a world where we can run out of grace. It's a good thing that grace always covers over sins. However... What a backward way of thinking. Why don't we just keep on sinning so that more and more grace will be released in our lives? And Paul, in the book of uh, Romans, chapter uh, 6, addresses this particular thing. Because it's not just that they were wrong. And, of course, they were wrong. It's that they were missing the bigger point. And the bigger point has to do with water baptism. So look with me. Romans, chapter 6. Romans, chapter 6. Just the first four verses. I'm going to read out of the New Living Translation this morning. Here's what it says. Paul writing to them, he says this. Well then, should we keep on sinning so that God can show us more and more of his wonderful grace? Of course not. Say those those three words with me. Of course not. Since we have died to sin, how can we continue to live in it? Or have you forgotten that when we were joined with Christ Jesus in baptism, we joined him in his death? Verse 4. For we died and were buried with Christ by baptism. And just as Jesus was raised from the dead by the glorious power of the Father, now we also may live new lives. Some of these people believed, we're just going to keep on doing things wrong because that gets God to give us more grace. And Paul corrects them, not just saying you're missing missing how this works. He corrects them because they don't understand who they are in Christ. Christ. They don't understand the nature of grace, and that's why he makes that stunning statement in, in verse 2. He says, of course not we're going to do that. How? Since we have died to sin, how are we going to continue to live in it? At the point of salvation, John chapter 3, when someone is born again, when the new birth takes place, when we are transformed, when we become a new person, when all of that takes place, we at that point literally die to sin. Sin is is, is no longer our substance and root. It's not that we can't sin after that. Wouldn't that be wonderful? It's not that we can't sin after that. It's not that we can't break God's commandments. But rather, our sinful nature has been replaced with a new nature, a righteous nature. A desired a nature that has a desire to please God. Here, I might say it this way: Sin doesn't come as naturally as it used to. The Spirit of God inside of us now empowers us to resist sin and to choose righteousness. He convicts us when we rebel. Susan says it all the time. But she was a Christian doing sinful things. She says it's never as much fun to sin once you're a Christian. Because there's always that check. There's always that sense of of the Spirit pulling us back saying, don't go that way. That's not your nature. That's not who you are anymore. And Paul connects this, this death to sin. He connects it to what happens in baptism. Paul connects the idea to water baptism. He says, when an individual is baptized, he or she is baptized into the death of Jesus. Now, I want you to write this down if you're taking the notes this morning. Dead people don't sin as much as living people. Physically speaking, dead people don't sin at all. Spiritually speaking, when we have died to our old nature and we are living to Christ, I won't say it's possible for impossible for us to sin, but it doesn't come as naturally. We are much less prone to sin once we have died with Christ. And Paul says, when you are baptized, you are connected with Jesus in death. That's the picture of baptism, that, that, that it's a watery grave. You even hear people say that sometimes, that, that we are going down into the, into the grave with Jesus, into the tomb. We are dying with him and then being resurrected to a new life in Jesus. Baptism, write this down also. Baptism is a physical picture of a spiritual reality that has already taken place in us. We die with Christ in the water and we live with him as we come back out. And because of that, and this is what Paul was trying to say to them, it's not a question of how much sin can I do because more grace will be piled on top of me. It's a question of I'm not the same person anymore. Therefore, my desires, my thoughts, my motives, everything about me is different. I want to please the one who loved me and gave his son for me. That's where we live our lives out of, not... You know, people say like, well, how close can you get to the edge? I don't know. That's not the point, is it? If you accept Christ and want to know how much sinning you can do and still be okay, you probably didn't accept Christ. Because once that new nature takes over, I was like, I don't want any parts of that. I want, to, I, want to, I want to get away from that. I want to walk in a way that is pleasing to my Father. I want to walk in a way that is consistent with the Spirit that He's put inside of me. I think that the church at large, but including Grace Church, I think we need to focus on baptism more. A lot of churches, um, and probably Grace to some degree or another, it's like we want people to accept the goodness of God in terms of salvation. We want them to be born again. We want them to experience that transformational moment. And then we say things like, you know, yeah, we'll get you baptized at some point. And that's not necessarily wrong, but those two things need to be joined together much more closely. One of, my, um, one of my mentors at a distance, an author and pastor that I really have uh, benefited much from his writings and his teaching, his church, it's in the Pacific Northwest. His church doesn't do altar calls. they don't do invitations ever. What they do is he'll say something like this: "If you want to follow Jesus, start following him. trust him, believe on him, and we'll get you baptized." that they don't count anybody as having made that confession and and that that proclamation to follow Jesus till they publicly get in the tank. Now, I'm not saying I agree fully with that, but I am saying this, that we have so downplayed the importance of water baptism, we've kind of stuck it on the end of someone's spiritual journey rather than saying, in the words of Peter from Acts chapter 2, when the people said, what do we do to be saved? What did he say? Repent and be baptized, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Now, of course, Romans 10 says, if you believe in your heart and you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, you'll be saved. Of course, the thief on the cross didn't have time to get baptized. Hallelujah, that it is not a saving function. It is not a means of grace, but it is an expression of the grace that we live in. When we say, I want everyone in my life that's here in this moment to publicly see that I am identifying with the death and resurrection of Jesus, that I am not the same person, that I am a different person with a different nature, And I want you to live in such a way with me that you're helping me grow and hold me accountable for that walk that I now have with him. Water baptism is vital. It is an act of obedience that provides a platform for personally declaring the lordship of Jesus in our lives. And we, we need to baptize more. Wouldn't it be wonderful? Wouldn't it just think about this for a moment? Wouldn't it be wonderful if We so connected salvation, prayer and belief with baptism that we always kept our baptismal tub full of water. Because at any given time, people were accepting Christ and we were encouraging them. Let's be baptized. Declare your faith in front of this group of people. Wouldn't it be great if we just left the water in there and it got all stagnant and nasty? No, no, I'm just kidding. Wouldn't it be great if Mr. Ken, he's our facilities guy here at Grace, Ken Hebden, wouldn't it be great if Mr. Ken, every Thursday or Friday, had to empty the tank and refill the tank because there were people making a decision to follow Jesus, and they were having the opportunity to be baptized all the time? Wouldn't that be wonderful? would want to be a church like that? I want to be a church like that. That would be the funnest thing. They just, you know, someone gives their heart to the Lord. They decide they're going to follow him. We're praying for them, and, and we say, we want to baptize you now, and we explain what that is, and boom, they're getting baptized. I want us to pray that way this morning. Look at this picture. That is a, oh, that's not the picture. Look at this picture. That one, yeah. That is a uh, younger, thinner less wise version of me being baptized 31 years ago. I haven't changed that much, I know, but it's about two weeks before Susan and I got married. Um, so I really needed baptism, <laughs> to be honest with you. I have a confession to make about that, that, that evening. It was a Sunday evening service in the church that we were attending at the time. Here's my confession. You ready? Are, are you ready to receive my confession? I have sinned so much since that day, three decades plus a year sinning, thoughts, words, actions, motives. I have just been a hot mess of sin since then. Are you disappointed? Good. Thank you, Nell. Nell's not surprised. She knows me. It's everybody. It's everybody's story. It's everybody's story. Everybody's story. We, I didn't come up out of that water perfect. I came up out of that water different, had a different nature, different insides. I was not a perfectly behaving Tim or a perfectly speaking Tim or a perfectly thinking Tim. I was a different Tim. According to Ezekiel chapter 11, this was the Tim. I came up out of that water with a singleness of heart, with a new spirit, And my stony heart was taken away and I had a tender and responsive heart to the Lord. And I have, step by step, incrementally over the years, kept on growing in Jesus. And so the people that you're gonna see baptized this morning, please don't hold them to the standard of perfection. There is only one who is perfect. Thank God we have his righteousness imparted to us. It's what we celebrated this morning in communion. They're not going to be perfect when they come up but they are demonstrating the lordship of Jesus as they come up out of that water, that they have died with him and they are living with him. They're not going to live perfectly, but they are purposing to walk before you as different people, people with a new nature, people with a new destination. They're not gonna walk around as people saying, I wonder how much sin I can get away with that grace will cover. They're gonna be people that say, I want more of Jesus and I wanna follow him. So can you stand with me? We're gonna pray together before we begin this wonderful celebration of baptism. Matter of fact, would you close your eyes for a moment? If if you've been baptized in water, I want you to think about that day. Think about when you got baptized. I want you to go back to that moment in time. And I want you to reconnect with the fact that symbolically in that moment, you died with Jesus. Your old life was gone. And when you came up out of that water, you came up living, but living in Christ. I want you to think about that this morning. I want to say this to you also. If you're here and you've never been baptized in water, but you are a believer, you need to get baptized in water. as an an action of obedience, as a way of declaring to, to a body of believers that you are following Jesus, you need to get baptized. Let us know. We want to help support you in that endeavor. And then finally, if you're here this morning and you don't know Christ, I just encourage you to pray in your heart and seek the Lord. As it says, repent and be baptized and you'll receive the Holy Spirit, you and your family. I want you to pray right now from your heart. Lord, I believe that you died for me, that you make me perfect in Jesus, that the wrath of God has been poured out on him and I'm innocent because of that. I believe by faith that my sins have been washed away by the blood of the lamb on the cross and I wanna follow you. I wanna follow you. Pray that prayer and let us know. We wanna help you follow Jesus. We want to help you walk with him, and we want to see you be baptized in water as well. Let's pray together. Father, thank you. Thank you for the honor of being a church family that is seeing people make the decision to be baptized in water, Lord, that we're a part of this, this great this great body together, celebrating the growth of members within our church family taking this step today. Lord, I pray that you would, you would just remind us, those of us that have been baptized, baptized of the wonder of that experience lord take us back there lord those who are who have never been baptized in water lord stir within them a desire to be so in obedience to your word and following your example and lord for anyone that's here this morning that doesn't know you i pray that in the words that they have from their heart they would call upon your name they would ask you to forgive them They would name you Jesus as Savior and Lord, and they would begin to follow you. And we pray these things this morning in the name of Jesus. And if you agree with me, would you say amen? Amen. 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 We trust that this message made a difference in your life. If you would like more information about Grace Church, be sure to connect with us by visiting grace417.com or connect with us by filling out a connection card on our app.